And welcome to the Employment Law Show. By the way, I'll give it to you right off the top if you want to reach out, one 821 5900 It is help at employmentlawyer.ca and uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There is plenty of information, if only for interest's sake. Spend some time on there. It may open up your eyes big time and fill your head with uh, valuable information when it comes to navigating the uh, the workplace for the next, uh, well, however many years you're going to be working, right? So we'll get to that in more detail uh, before we get to everything you need to know about employment agreements, whether you have one or not, whether there's one coming down the pike, we will uh, dig deep into that one. This is stuff you need to know, by the way, for your, your working life. First, though, um, uh, week that was, you got a couple things going on, pal. What do you got? I have a lot more than a couple of things going on, but I had to narrow it down to a couple of things right. so that uh, we can actually get a full show in here. But it has been a busy time, busy week, a lot of uh, questions answered. Uh, both myself and my colleagues uh, at the office. So uh, I'm, I'm glad, and I'm glad that we reach a lot of people with this show. Great, uh, great thing to do. If you want to know about your workplace rights, you're dealing with a workplace problem. Maybe your boss did something or said something, or maybe your job has changed, or you lost your job, or worried about losing it. Well, we'll talk about that and many other things on this show. But you can always reach out to me to talk, uh, talk privately. You can call or email. We'll give you that information many times again throughout the show. Or, of course, you can always uh, check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that as well. But the week that was uh, where I want to start off, a couple situations that came across my desk uh, very recently. Uh, first one uh, reminds us that when you're a, a salesperson or where you, when you have a, a heavy commission component, you really got to pay close attention if and when the company lets you go. Well, this particular person that uh, I spoke with at uh, the beginning of the week uh, was a commission salesperson, and he had a very uh, you know modest base salary of thirty thousand dollars, but with commissions he made over a hundred thousand uh, dollars, and you know, huge difference. Well, he was let go from his job. The company had lost a, a big client, and uh, because of that, he was offered six uh, weeks pay after three years of service, and those six weeks were calculated on the basis of his base pay only. So they gave him six weeks based on $30,000 a year. So he called me and he wanted to know, is this right? Well, it's wrong, wrong, wrong. First of all, uh, the you know easy part is, he, of course, he's owed more than six weeks pay after three years of service. In fact, he was owed closer to six months pay. So right off the bat, he's the, they, they, they gave him the wrong number of weeks, and that's very common. But the other interesting thing is, his, his severance should be calculated based on his total compensation, which is over $100,000 with wow. commissions, whereas the company calculated just under $30,000 his base salary. And I see this very often with people that have big bonuses or big commissions, that the company conveniently forgets to include those as part of the severance. Wrong. They have to include those. So he actually was owed six months based on $100,000 as opposed to six weeks on the basis of $30,000, that's a, a huge, huge difference. That's a difference of over $40,000 for him. And I'm going to help him get that. And I wanted to remind everyone, certainly salespeople, uh, employers and employees, when you lose your job, when the person is let go and it comes time to paying them, paying them severance, full comp, total comp has to be accounted for. Salary, commissions, bonuses, benefits, car allowance, all that has to be included, not just pay salary. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out. What else you got going on? I uh, spoke with uh, another gentleman that find, found himself in a fairly uncomfortable situation uh, on the weekend at, at his cottage. Uh, he was charged with public intoxication. Uh, not not something he was proud of. Not 
you know necessarily the the, the biggest deal in terms of criminal offenses. Right. Uh, and uh, you know he he paid his fine and kind of moved on. Well, the company ended up finding out about it a couple of weeks later from a colleague, and his boss really got upset. They said, "No, no, that you've been charged with a criminal offense. Uh, how can you not tell us?" And uh, you know th- it's a big deal, and he really kind of freaked out about it, and ultimately terminated the person for cause. Number one, for being charged with an offense, and number two, not telling the company. And this person said, what the heck just happened? And he called me. He wanted to know, you know, yes, I did something dumb on the weekend at the cottage. I was, uh, uh, you know, I was drinking in a public beach. They shouldn't have done that. Paid my fine. Uh, why am I losing my job? And he is right. He's absolutely right to ask that question because he shouldn't lose his job. Well, the main thing here is that this offense, you know, the, the drinking at the weekend on the cottage in the public place, while not something obviously to, to be proud of, doesn't really have anything to do with his job. Right. It's not a workplace offense, and it's not something that's going to impact him or his colleagues. It's not like he's been charged with, uh, you know, being a pedophile, and then it's a situation where no one's obviously going to be able to work with him or want to work with him. This is something that he did. That, not a big deal. A lot of people may have done that. It doesn't impact the workplace. So the company did not have cause or reason to let him go. He actually didn't do anything wrong as relates to his job. And I wanted to bring this up here to remind everyone that usually off-duty conduct doesn't translate to a, a workplace offense unless, of course, it impacts the job. But if it doesn't, you did something wrong or inappropriate on your own time, off work, unrelated to work, in most cases, the company cannot use that as grounds to let you go. You, in most cases, don't even have the obligation to tell the company. And if you find yourself in that situation where you're punished for something that happened off work, away from work, unrelated to work, call me. Let's talk about that. Chances are that's a wrongful dismissal. Now, this is something different from you know being on a company boat cruise, of course, right? Oh, big time, yes. If uh, he was on a company uh, dime, on a company event, and, and he commits an offense, absolutely, that's still considered to be work, and it's inappropriate. And while it may not necessarily be cause, just because it's that difficult to terminate for cause, it, simply, it certainly would be something that would give the company reason to discipline him. But when it happens away from work, not related, not a work function with him and his friends at the cottage, no, that's something the company cannot punish him in any way for. We'll take a short break and get right back into it again. Everything you need to know about employment agreements, we'll uh, we'll get into that as well. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We are just getting warmed up here on the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Yeah, to reach out any time and get a hold of Lior and the team, the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Can't stress that enough. Help at employment. Uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you haven't been there and checked it out yet, even for interest's sake, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll talk about that in a little more uh, depth as we uh, we continue on here. Though, but everything you need to know about employment agreements, we want to get into this. And if you don't have one, if you've never signed one, if you've signed every job you've ever had an employment agreement, you're going to want to know some of this information. Uh, moving forward. Number one, why are they so important? Well, John, they're important because we spend most of our time every day, every year at work. We spend more time at work uh, than we do spending time with our family or do anything else. Most of us do. And that employment agreement is the document that governs what happens on the job and our work uh, work, uh, work rights. So if we spend most of our time at work, and this is the document that governs work, well, it's an important document. 
In fact, your employment agreement is probably one of the most important documents you will ever sign. Yeah. Okay, more than your mortgage document. Um, even potentially some people will say more than your marriage contract. I'm not saying that because my wife will kill me. But for the most part, uh, it is one of the most important documents you will ever sign. And if you don't pay attention to it, if you sign without thinking about it, without reviewing it, without understanding what you're signing, it's going to cost you a lot at some point. And that's what we want to talk about. And this is one of the uh, things we always and Well, it, it usually opens people's eyes because they're like, you've got to be kidding me. And that is, what is better? Either a handshake deal, starting a job, or the nice fat 10-page contract. I know a lot of people are going to think which one it should be, but in actual fact, which one is better? So if we're talking from the perspective of the employee, this yes. is easy. This is a no-brainer. You are far, far better off accepting a job on a handshake or, frankly, something on the back of a napkin at Tim Hortons yeah. than having a 10-page agreement. Okay, Why? Because all that means is that if you sign a job on a handshake, means that the law does its thing. The law is there to protect you, and you have the full benefit of all the laws that we have in this country. What an employment agreement does is often gets rid of some of the protections that you have, because some of the protections are there unless you agree to waive them. And the employment agreement often waives those rights. And many people don't understand that, that when they sign the agreement, there are terms in that document that take away rights that you would have and either eliminates those rights or it gives them to the company. So you are far better off not having an employment agreement, having a, sh a handshake document uh, agreement or having a one-paragraph document. Don't be concerned about that. Be concerned about that 10-page document with a lot of legalese because I can promise you, promise you, that in that 10-page document, there's going to be at least a half a dozen, if not more, things that are going to be very, very problematic to you. And we'll give you some specific examples. Now, John, for the employers, if I put my employer hat on for just a second, everything I said now, the opposite is true. For an employer, yes, of course, you want to have an employment agreement, a comprehensive document that gives you, the employer, as much rights and as much flexibility as possible. Bad idea for the employer to have a handshake deal. Terrible idea. So depending on employer or employee, you may not or you may want to have an employment agreement. But for employees, if you don't have an employment agreement, be very, very happy. You know, it's funny. I think it comes from the whole thing that we're taught that, uh, you know, more details always better. So people, you know, for, for lack of a better term, feel naked if they go in on a handshake. They don't feel protected. Meanwhile, much better for them. Much better. By the way, think about me for as a lawyer. You know, my training as a lawyer is you want something in writing. You always want to have yes. a contract. Well, not when it comes to employment agreement. Less is more when it comes to the employment agreement if you are the employee. So what do most people look at when they review an employment agreement? I, I mean, I know basically what they're looking at, but generally what are people, uh, what's the highlight for them? Well, your first thing you'll do is you'll scan quickly to see what the salary is, mm -hmm. uh, right? And the first thing you'll do, no, no question. Uh, you'll, you'll take a look to see uh, if benefits are starting right away. If there's benefits, you look to see what the bonus is. You look to see how much vacation you're getting. And these are generally the things that people look for. And, and in their mind, they'll say this is a good offer or a bad offer based on vacation, benefits, bonus, uh, those terms. And I understand that. And I, I get it. But there are other, more important things, arguably, than whether your salary is 75000 or 80000 Okay, And that's what we want to give you some examples of so that you can know to look for those things and not just salary, bonus, and benefits. Vacation. Okay, so examples, obviously, the next stop to go. What uh, what should you be looking for? 
Well, the first thing you want to look for, is there anything in that agreement that limits your future severance entitlements? Yes, you want to look at that when you accept the job. Because if you have a term in the agreement that limits your severance, that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even hundreds at some point. Okay, so right off the bat, is there something that limits your entitlements? And here's a good uh, good rule to to uh, to pay attention to: if there's language in the agreement about termination, that's bad. In almost every situation, that language tries to limit your entitlements. And at some point, it could be the difference between getting uh, eight weeks severance and getting two years severance. So right off the bat, that's big. Is there a non-competition obligation? Is there something that prevents you from working in the industry? So let's think about that. You could be agreeing to something that allows the company to let you go at any time, pay you almost nothing if they do, and if they do that, you can't work in the industry for two years. Yeah. Do you understand now why it's more important to look at that than whether the salary is 75 or 80? You want to look, is there something that, that gives the company the right to lay you off temporarily? The company does not have a right to lay you off temporarily unless you agree to it in the employment agreement. Do they have a right to change your job, to change your compensation, to change your work location? Again, the company does not have a right to do any of those things unless you give them the power to do that in the employment agreement. So these are just some examples, John, of things to look for in an employment agreement beyond salary, bonus, and vacation. And if you don't pay attention to these things, trust me, you'll care about it later when it's too late. We'll get to more of those, and we're talking about things you need to know about employment agreements. That is on the way, and we'll get to some of your emails. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca, 1-855-821-5900 is the number to reach out anytime and get a hold of Lior and a member of his uh, very cool and very capable staff. Lots more of the Employment Law Show is on the way. Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900 is the number, and it is help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, there is a ton of information. Uh, basically, what you get on this show each week, wrap it all together, put it in one app and one uh, one page, and it's right there. So check it out, if only for interest's sake, over the next uh, little while for sure. Everything you need to know about employment agreements. Can that agreement um, be negotiated? So I'll... I'll- Oftentimes people say to me, okay, Lear, you've convinced me that we should be careful. You should read it yeah. carefully and understand what we're signing. But what's the point? If we Can we even do anything about this? Is is that Can we change it? Can we negotiate? If we can't, then why are we wasting time? Very good question. Very legitimate question. The, the, the answer is yes. In many cases, maybe even most cases, you can negotiate. You can get rid of, of, of some or all of these terms. Just because something is in the employment agreement doesn't mean that the company actually is married, quote-unquote, to that term. In many cases, you can get that changed. Now, it starts with identifying the uh, the terms that you want changed. The way you would do that is uh, you, you don't want to have a laundry list of 35 things to be changed because that may send, send the company the impression that you're very difficult to deal with. So you would take that laundry list of 35 things and narrow it down to two or three things that you really care about. You do that with my help. I can help you talk about what's important, what's not, and how to change it. And once you've narrowed it, uh, narrowed it down to two or three things that you really care about, you would approach the company. And the way I prefer to do that is to start off by saying to the company, I'm very excited about this position. There's no doubt in my mind that we can do very great, very good things together. There's just a couple of issues I wanted to raise. And then you raise it. Now, if you do it this way, nothing bad will happen. The company is right. not going to pull off, pull the offer off the table. Worst case scenario is that they'll say, no, we're not going to change it. So you're still exactly in the, in the same situation you were. In many cases, they will negotiate. They will 
uh, revise and they will try to come to terms. Think about it. If the company believes that they, after a long interview process, they found their perfect candidate, uh, are they going to be willing to lose that candidate because they're concerned about job security? In most cases, the company is not going to want to do that. They're going to want to to keep you and keep you happy. So yes, you can negotiate. You have to be smart about it. Uh, and don't assume just because the company put it in the employment agreement, you're stuck with it. Not at all. You often can negotiate. And I bet you sometimes employees, especially if it's more of a, I guess, a fiduciary position, they're expecting you to come back and, and have some sort of negotiation, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. And and it's not, and, and by the way, if you go to the company and you're not asking for more money, you're asking maybe that they deal with the termination language differently, the company may actually be relieved. Uh, oh. They may not. They may think, "Oh, we thought he's going to ask us for more more money. Uh, at least now he's not." And not knowing that that they're actually uh, by changing the language, they are giving you more money. Right. So in many cases, the company may be quite willing and, and interested to make those changes that you want. Uh, you're right; it is expected, certainly with more senior position, but not only. And if you don't at least try, then then you're, you're missing out. As I said, there's really no downside to trying if you do it the right way. So now let's fast forward to the scenario where you've uh, you've already got the job, you've been working there for a while, and your employer comes to you and asks you to sign a new agreement. Usually that happens when a company realizes, oh, wait a second, we heard uh, Lior, we heard someone talk about how important uh, employment agreements are. We don't have a good one. So ah, I know what to do. Let's have our existing employees sign it. Well... The problem with that is, of course, it may not, it may actually be illegal, not illegal, unenforceable if the employer just wants you to sign an agreement. They have to give you something in return for signing to make it enforceable. But beyond that, if you're already working and, and you did accept a job, let's say, on a handshake, like yep. I said before, and you're happy with that. It's so, good. I accepted a job on a handshake. Lior said that's a good thing. I have the full protection of the law. Well, what happens if now all of a sudden your employer says, no, no, we want to change that. We want you to sign an employment agreement. Well, the answer should be no, okay? You cannot be penalized or punished for refusing to sign a, an employment agreement. And the reason why a company is going to want you to sign it, it's because it's better for them. There's going to be terms in that agreement that take away your rights. So why would you agree to it? So what I want you to do is, if you've been offered an employment agreement, I want you to reach out to me. I want you to send me a copy. You can email it. You can fax it if you prefer, whatever it is. Let me review it. Let me tell you what's in it that you should be concerned about. If there isn't anything to be concerned, I'll tell you, great, go sign, no problem. That's very unlikely. Yeah. If there is something to be concerned, at least you'll know, and you should tell you the company, I'm not going to accept it, and they can't do anything to you, they can't punish you. Uh, much better to do that than to sign an agreement that later is going to cost you a lot of money, that's going to make your job less secure, that's going to make your life difficult. Don't agree to that. Just before we uh, we wrap for a break and uh, come back with more, uh, what advice do you have for employers when it comes to employment agreements on the other side? So every everything I just said for employees, think uh, think the opposite. For employers, right. you want to have a proper employment agreement that, that addresses all those things, that gives you flexibility and reduces your liability. You want to have it properly drafted. Talk to me. I can help you uh, prepare it. And you want to have the employee sign that agreement before they start working. Not after, not on their first day or during lunch, before they start working. You send them a copy, you have them sign it, and they don't show up to work until they sign that agreement. So for employers, yes, very important to have that document. Uh, and uh, for employees, again, if you don't have it, be happy. If you get an employment agreement that needs to be negotiated, try to negotiate. In most cases, you can. You need help how to do it. 
happy to talk, happy to help. We'll take a short break, get uh, right back into it. In fact, uh, we'll talk about being let go from your job without even realizing it. How's that possible? We'll, uh, we'll dig into that big time. one 821 5900 is the way to call and to email. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca, the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you've not checked it out yet, do so. We'll talk about it here in a few minutes. And that is Pocket Employment Lawyer. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca is uh, where you find it. I love the uh, the topic, the header of this next section. That is uh, being let go from your job without even realizing it. How about that? That's never a good thing. It's not a good thing, but it's a common thing. Now, yeah. a regular termination, we know what that is. The company mm-hmm. calls you into the boardroom. Today's your last day. Here's your letter of termination. You have that letter. You know you've been let go. The company meant to let you go. That's a regular termination. Right. But there are many situations, Johnny, where uh, the company doesn't necessarily intend to let you go. They may not even realize uh, that they're uh, letting you go. But the law considers whatever it is that the company did as a termination, and it gives the employee the right to treat that as a termination. So I call that a being let go without realizing it. And that's what we want to spend the next few minutes on, uh, making sure people understand when that happens and what to do about it. Yeah, it's almost like being cloaked, right? We'll get to our, our first one here, and that is your put on a oh, temporary layoff. Yes, it's the, the easiest place to start uh, yeah. because if a company puts you on a temporary layoff, they may simply be thinking, well, no, we're not letting the person go. We are simply kind of you know, suspending them, so to speak, putting their employment on ice for a period of time, and we'll call them back in uh, three months or when business picks up. So that may, may be the intention. The problem is that the law comes in and says, ah, can't do that. If you do that, that is considered a termination. Or at least it means that the employee has the right to treat that as a termination. So it's a classic example of being let go when the company doesn't intend to let you go. Despite what the company wants or intends, the law says, no, no, that is a termination. You can leave with your severance. So if uh, if you're put in that situation, yes, you can wait and, and go back to work if the company calls you back to work. By doing that, you've given them the right to do it again, which is a huge problem. So that's option one. Option number two is you can treat your employment as being at an end and say, I'm not accepting that, I'm not coming back to work, I'm treating that as a termination, you didn't mean to let me go, but that's what you did, pay me my severance and I move on. That's what happens, John, with a temporary layoff. Being let go without even realizing it, next one up, again, all too common, that is your employer changes the terms of your employment, like uh, they move your salary around or your job duties, or work you around, for that matter, move you around with your job location. What do you think about that? Yeah, and, and again, the company may not intend to let you go. They wanted you in a different role. They wanted to pay yeah. you less, or they wanted you to work in Oshawa instead of Brampton. Uh, so they're not intending to let you go. But again, here's when the law steps in and saying, by doing that, you've essentially terminated the employee's employment. Again, constructive dismissal. That's what it's called, constructive dismissal. Usually a constructive dismissal happens when the company does not necessarily set out to fire someone, to let someone go, it's by their behavior, by their actions that they're considered to have done that. So a change to job duties is a constructive dismissal in many situations. A demotion, a pay cut, a significant relocation, those types of uh, behaviors, even though the company may not mean it, is something that gives the person the right to treat as a termination. So you've been let go without even potentially realizing it, certainly without the company realizing it, and if you're faced with that change, you can make the choice to accept the change 
or to not accept that and to treat that as a constructive dismissal. If you want to treat it as a constructive dismissal, if you're not going to accept the change, call me. Let's talk about that. I, I do not want you to quit and leave before uh, before we've spoken. Is there a scenario uh, with that where, I mean, uh, salary is pretty obvious, duties can be kind of obvious, but something like work location, can you, as we mentioned before, can you take it out for a spin but yet still not accept it fully? Yes. Uh, so generally speaking, you have a small window to try a change. Maybe your job duties have been changed. Maybe you got a kind of pay cut and you want to you wanna try it out and see how you feel about it. Usually that, there's a small window to try it. That window usually closes after a few weeks. I would prefer you tell the company that that's what you're doing. So let them know, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this change, but I'm going to try it for the next few weeks and let you know what I think. So you're, you're preserving your rights. So yes, you can take it for a spin, but that spin can't be more than a few weeks in length if you've been your job was changed and you've worked there for a few months and now you say, I don't like it, it may be too late to do anything about it. Uh, so you you really want to act fast whenever you're faced with a change to the terms of your employment. And if you do that, as always, the golden rule, get it in writing and let them know that you're just trying this out, correct? In writing, always yeah. let them know. If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Email works mm -hmm. amazingly well. Send that email telling them I'm going to try it. I'm not comfortable, but I'll let you know. By doing that, you're preserving your rights, preserving your ability to still say down the road, constructive dismissal. Well, uh, we'll take a short break. we get to some of your emails, and we'll continue on this particular topic today, and that is being let go from your job without even realizing it. You want to uh, write in an email, help at employment, or uh, pardon me, help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the phone call anytime, 1-855-821-5900 is the way to go. The Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address, which we will uh, go to and refer to here in just a few minutes after we continue talking about the uh, the topic of uh, being let go from your job without even realizing it. Not as obvious as being called into the office and having the uh, the cardboard box in front of you. Um, this one, you're put on an unpaid, unpaid suspension. That's right. And uh, employers and employees, certainly employers are going to find this surprising. There isn't a right in most cases to suspend someone without pay. Now, in some cases, the company can suspend with pay if the employee did something wrong, but not without pay. And if the company does suspend without pay, that could be considered, again, a constructive dismissal. In other words, a termination. So a situation where the company does not intend, may not realize that they've terminated someone's employment, but the law steps in and says, no, no, because you've done that, because you've suspended Bob without pay, Bob has the right to treat his employment as being terminated. So that's a termination and gets severance. Except, by the way, this doesn't apply in unionized situations. For unionized situations, you can be suspended in many cases without pay, but for non-union employees, cannot be. Now, the only times you can be suspended without pay is, number one, is if you gave the company the right to suspend you without pay in the employment agreement. Right. So again, going back to how important the employment agreement is, or if the company has done it before and you let them do it and you came back to work, well, because they've done it before, arguably they can do it again. But if you haven't been suspended without pay before, that is a classic situation where you can treat your employment as being terminated, even though the company did not realize that that's what they're doing. This one's interesting, too. We're talking about being let go from your job without even realizing, and that is the company you work for is being sold. How does that work? Very important, and, and this can be sometimes confusing, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it as simple as possible. If the company you work for is being sold, you have the right to treat that sale, that the fact that you're going to be 
working for a company that sold as a termination. Okay. Now, that's true even if the new company offers you a job. So what happens, though, if you've been offered a job uh, and, and you decide not to accept it, you can treat that as a termination and still get severance. Now, you may not get your full severance in that situation unless you have a good reason as to why you're not accepting the job with the buyer. But in any situation where their business is sold, even if the company uh, that's buying it is offering a job, you have the right to treat that as a termination. You don't have to. You can simply accept the job with the buyer, continue working, and they inherit your service. But you may have the right or you do have the right to treat that as a termination mm. if you want to. Very important with the sale of a business because the, devil's, uh, the devil is in the details. If the business is sold and you're not sure whether you should accept the job with the buyer, you're not sure if there is a job with the buyer, what you should do before you do anything, before you walk out, before you sign anything, call me. Let's talk about that. Let's do this right. Very important. But no matter what, in most cases, if your business is sold, you have a right to treat that as a termination. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. By the way, is the number to uh, to reach out that we uh, we keep mentioning. Please do so if uh, the need arises. So it's you know, say it's a situation in that situation where it's like, yeah, you know, now would be a high time to go back to school. This is a good time for me to uh, to bail out of here now that the company's being sold. How much severance do I get, or do I get all of it, or any of it? So you wouldn't get your full entitlements, what we call your common law entitlements, if you simply decide to leave kind of just for your own reasons. Right. Uh, you, you would get your minimum entitlements, which depending on, on the situation will be a week's pay per year of service or two weeks per year of service, uh, and, and that's it. But again, before you do that, before you say, I'm out of here, I'm going back to school, let's talk about it. There could still be ways we can find to allow you to get your full entitlements, hmm. uh, but bottom line is it is something, no matter what, you can treat it as a termination if the business is sold. Talking about being let go from your job without even realizing it mean you didn't uh, you didn't quit you didn't quit but meanwhile you've been let go that is your employer won't won't accommodate your medical restrictions that is never a bright idea no and and you know it's something that we often talk about on the show the company's duty to accommodate yeah. so if you have medical restrictions that mean that you need modified duties or modified hours or maybe you need to work more from home or or have some flexibility in terms of your hours of work. The company has to provide that accommodation. It's it's not uh, it, it's not a trivial obligation. It's a very serious obligation. It's in our human rights code. So the company has to provide that. And if they don't, if they don't want to, they don't try hard enough, they ignore you, that act in and of itself is an act of termination. Hmm. So it, it's a human rights violation, but it's also an act of termination. They're saying, we don't want to comply with our obligations. If they don't want to comply, they've essentially terminated your job. They've essentially broken the relationship. So if you're in a situation where the company refuses to accommodate, doesn't try hard enough, doesn't want to, doesn't know how, whatever it is, that may give you the right to treat that as a termination, even though the company is not necessarily thinking termination. They're just saying, no, we don't want to accommodate, come back when you're you're fully healthy. Uh, by doing that, that could be a human rights violation and a termination, a very common example of when you've been terminated without realizing it. We'll get to one more here before we uh, before we take a break, and that is um, you have to deal with what we call a poisoned work environment. Definitely. And uh, a poisoned work environment is a situation where you're either being harassed, mistreated, something happens to you and your job that makes it difficult to continue working, that makes the work environment uncomfortable and unhealthy. Uh, poison work environment. And, and there's an implied term in all of our employment uh, agreements. It's an implied term that says 
we will work in a healthy and supportive work environment. So if that term is breached, now the work environment is poisoned, that is considered to be a termination, a constructive dismissal. Now, if you're in a poisoned work environment, if possible, I always want to give the company the opportunity to fix that problem. Let them know what's happening, let them uh, understand what the issue is, and give them the opportunity to investigate and fix it. If they can't or they won't or you can't go to the company because there's no one to go to, you may yeah. be able to treat that as a termination, that poisoned work environment, that breach of the terms of your employment could be a, a, a termination. So a company is not necessarily intending it. You didn't even realize it. But by being uh, subject to this poison work environment, that is a termination. That potentially allows you to leave with severance. If you find yourself in that situation before you do anything, you have to reach out to me. We'll take a break before we cover off the uh, last point, talking points uh, under this topic, and that is being let go from your job without realizing it. So stick around for it, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca, the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to get to uh, one more of our talking points uh, for the, the subject this week, and that was being let go from your job without even realizing it, and that is you are sick or injured and can't return to work. Yeah, and this is a bit different. So this is a situation where you've been off work, you have a medical condition or an injury, and you're not going to be able to come back to work. Okay, you're just not going to be able to. Again, the law intervenes and calls that a frustration of contract. Essentially, it's a termination. Now, it does not mean that you get your full entitlements because uh, it's really not the company's fault. You only would get your minimum entitlements, but for some people, that could be as much as eight months' pay, those minimum entitlements. So even though a company is not doing anything wrong and you didn't do anything wrong and no one intended it, by virtue of you being unable to come back to work because of a medical condition, that could be considered determination. Technically, it's a frustration of contract, but you still have severance entitlements in that situation. So if you're in that situation, if you can't work anymore, uh, at least not for the same job, you may be able to work somewhere else, but there's no way physically you could go back to your old job. Uh, that may be a frustration of contract. Call me. Let's talk about what you wrote and how to get it. A uh, very common situation of, a, of being terminated, having entitlements without realizing it. We'll uh, get to Bill's email uh, first here to uh, get into the bottom half of the uh, of the hour, at least of this segment. Anyway, Bill says, I've been called into a meeting this coming Friday with my boss. I believe they're going to let me go. Can I do something about it beforehand? And I actually get uh, questions like that or variations on it uh, on that question very often. I, I believe I'm going to be let go on Friday or I, I know... You know, the boss is coming here from the U.S. and I think he's going to let me go. What do I do and, and should I should I prepare for it somehow? Mm -hmm. The reality is that there's really not much that you can do to, to, to change what's going to happen if you're right. If you are going to be let go, that's going to happen. You're going to be let go and, and you can't really do anything to change that reality. Really, the important thing to do is to ensure that if and when you are let go, you get what the law says you should have. You get your entitlements. That's right. what you, you have to do. And, and once you've been in that meeting, you have the paperwork, you call me, you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, uh, and, and we, we deal with your uh, situation. Now, what you may want to do in the meantime is you may want to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca even before to kind of wrap your head around what you would be owed. The other thing you want to do is you want to have a copy of your employment agreement handy because we'll need that after. You want to have a copy of any uh, policies or, or uh, handbooks that, that the company has because we may need to review those when we assess what you're owed. What I don't want you to do is say, ah, 
they're going to let me go on, on Friday. Let me go on a medical leave to avoid that. <laughs> that doesn't work. Okay, It's not going to change anything. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to help you. Uh, so, no, you can't really avoid the company letting you go. What you can absolutely do is make sure that if they do let you go, you get everything that the law says you should have. And that's, John, where I come in. Christina, you're up next. Says my employer has relocated our office two hours drive away. I was told that I can get a ride with a colleague so I wouldn't have to drive myself if I don't want to do it. Uh, do I have to accept the move in that, in that uh, particular scenario? No, she absolutely doesn't. Even though she may not necessarily have to drive because the colleague's going to do the driving for her, it's still an extra two hours or whatever it is that she has to spend commuting on the road, not uh, at work, not with her family. So that's a significant change. That's a constructive dismissal. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to constructive dismissal as a result of a work relocation, it's not really about how many kilometers the company has moved. It's how it's going to impact you. The company may have moved 50 kilometers, but they could be actually closer to you now. Well, clearly that's not a constructive dismissal. Or the company may have only moved five, but it's going to take you an hour and a half to get that uh, to that new place. Well, that is a constructive dismissal. So in this situation, if she's going to spend an extra couple of hours uh, on the road, whether she's driving or not, clearly, obviously, that is a constructive dismissal. So she can do it. She can accept this change and start either driving or driving with a colleague, or she can treat her employment as being terminated. What she may want to do is, as you say, take it for a spin, maybe quite literally here, uh, yeah. is uh, tell the employer, I don't know that I can do this, I don't know that I want to do this, but I'll try it. I'll try it for the next month. And I'll come, I'll come in with the colleague and see how I'm, f I'm feeling about it. She can do that. And after that month, if she still thinks it's not workable, she may still be able, she, she will still be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal. So either she could do that now or she can try it. But that type of a change, even if she doesn't have to drive, is absolutely a constructive dismissal. We'll uh, squeeze Rebecca's email in here before we go. Says, uh, all, uh, I do all bookkeeping and invoicing for my employer. The company's not doing well, and my boss has told me to change invoices so that we can bill clients for work that was never actually done. Uh, very uncomfortable with this. No kidding. What can I do? Wow. Uh, run. Well, I, I, yeah, run. Don't do it. Okay? That, that's as simple as that. You don't need to be a, a, a brilliant employment lawyer to, to answer that question. The company is asking you to do something illegal. You should never do that. Absolutely not. And you should make it clear in no uncertain terms that you will not do that. You don't want to go down that road. You don't want to do something that later on is going to cost you a lot more than it's worth. No. S say you're not going to do it. You cannot be penalized or punished in any way. Frankly, just by them asking you to do something illegal, you may have the right to treat that as a constructive dismissal by putting you in that position. So if you want to discuss that, by all means, reach out to me. Otherwise, simply say no. They can't make you, uh, and, and they should frankly be ashamed of, the, uh, of themselves for doing that. Does she, as an employee, have a legal obligation to, to spill the beans, to rat them out? No, she does not have that obligation, and, and she can if she wants to. She, she, she doesn't have to. Most people won't. Her obligation is to make sure that she doesn't do anything wrong, yeah. and she has a right also to, to say, I'm not going to work for a company that does that. Uh, I'm going to leave here with my severance. Uh, but those are her rights. She doesn't have to report or or no one's going to come after her for knowing about it and not saying something. 
That is uh, it for another week. Some good stuff there. You want to reach out? You have any questions scratching your head about something we talked about? That's simple. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 You can email help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's where we get all those emails from. And if you haven't tried it yet, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. A ton of information, useful stuff there. And, uh, and included in that is, uh, you know, seeing how much severance you wrote if it ever came down to that, uh, that point. It's always a good place and a first stop before even reaching out with a phone number. So check it out as well. Pocket Employment Lawyer. Until next time, this has been the Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.